Hi, everyone. Before we kick off this episode today, we wanted to preface this entire conversation by mentioning a few things first. One of our objectives in starting this podcast was to promote free speech and to normalize having very difficult conversations around polarizing topics that have a, a variety of differing points of views and opinions. And we were seeing that freedom of speech seemed to be under more and more assault with so many of us just growing silent as we were afraid of saying anything for fear of being misunderstood or having something misconstrued or having unwarranted ramifications delved out by self-righteous, judgmental and intolerant people known as cancel culture. And we have decided that the only way to fight cancel culture and to fight our own fears is to have these conversations anyway. And in our case, doing it publicly, like right here on this podcast. Now, one particular topic that makes all of us a little nervous, to be honest, is the topic of race relations in America. As three white women, we are all well aware that our lived experience is only as white women. I mean, we don't know what we don't know. Have we encountered racism in our lives directed towards us? Absolutely. Have we encountered sexism? Absolutely. But we recognize that our experience might be different than others. And so we want to invite to our table people with different lived experiences to shed light on their perspectives so we can learn from them too. For example, you've heard us interview Alma Ohene Apare, a first-generation American from Ghana who talked to us about how racism and discrimination can exist anywhere, even in predominantly Black countries like his, for example. And next week, we're interviewing John Amanchukwu, author of Erased. It's a book on this very topic to learn more from his perspective as a Black man in America. But today, we invited on another mom who, over the last two years, just like us, decided to do a deep dive to better understand things like critical race theory. She wanted to understand what it actually was and where it came from and what it means in places like our schools where some of it is being implemented. And we invited her on to learn more from all that she's learned and to really demonstrate to you, our beloved audience, that you don't have to be an expert in a particular area to learn more about it and to search things out for yourselves. We have certainly learned over the last two years that this is absolutely imperative. In fact, sometimes it surprises us how much we seem to know about certain things that these so-called experts don't seem to know at all. <laughs> I digress. As you listen, you're going to hear all of us say that there are just some things we're afraid to talk about for fear that it's going to be misconstrued. Because all of us, and let's be really clear on this, and it really should go without saying if you know us at all, but since many of you don't, this is the truth. We take a firm, irrevocable stand against racism and any kind of discrimination for things that are that people have no control over, like their skin color or their gender. In other words, injustice. Freedom for all is truly what we want for every American, period, full stop. We just wanted to always make sure we make that abundantly clear out of an abundance of caution. Because again, we want to normalize expressing our concerns and sharing our thoughts and our ideas and perspectives and feelings around controversial subjects, because this is the truth. If any of us are silenced, whether that's by threat or by fear, we are not free. <laughs>
Welcome to Just Think, the podcast. The podcast where we don't want to tell you what to think. We just want to encourage you to do it. We are three friends that came from across the political spectrum who were tired of partisan politics and were alarmed at what we saw happening in our country, including the growing political divide. But we found as we challenged ourselves to recognize our own biases, to put them aside, we were absolutely united in our pursuit for the truth. And that's why we started this podcast to share the conversations we were having around that pursuit and to invite you into our conversation. To encourage you to feel free to ask questions. Search for the answers yourself to say what you think. That's right, because as we like to say, diversity of thought, ideas, and beliefs are welcome here. Asshats are not. (laughs) (laughs) All are welcome as long as you just think. Welcome to Just Think, the podcast. This is Holly and Amy and Kristen. And today we are joined by a very special guest, Miss Lindy Ford. Lindy is a mom just like us. And as she will share with you, I'm sure, um, over 2020, she had never been involved in any kind of politics. She'd always just voted. But something happened in 2020 where she realized she needed to do some digging. She needed to understand what was really going on. She needed to find the facts out for herself. Does that sound familiar? It sounds a lot like Amy, Kristen, and me. We didn't want to dip our toe into controversial subjects, but we had this growing sense that it was going to matter that we knew. And not only that we knew, but that we told other people what we knew. In the age of suppression of information and censorship, so that only one basic narrative is shared to the exclusion of everything else, in the age where critical thinking skills have been minimized and the need to follow along without questioning has never seemed to be um, more prevalent, we all know that we are living in a time right now where we have to wake up. We have to do our own research. We have to look into things for ourselves. And we need to never, and I mean never, blindly follow. You know, that's the thing that I think of all things that we can teach on this podcast and share. It really is to just think, just think for yourself. Say what you think and don't be afraid to speak out. And it's never been more important, not that just you know, but that you share. Mm-hmm. And what I love about Lindy is that she was just like us, but she began to look into things and she began to get involved. And today she is along with Ty Turner's NC, it, which really is just a growing movement of people just like you, just like me, that are really advocating for the truth and for our children in particular. Ever since we started this podcast, I have wanted to do a deep dive into critical race theory. I read a book called Cynical Theories. Um, uh, Back over the pandemic, thanks to my friend Steve from NC State, he and I had worked together at NC State University to make sure that the university was not being captured by a lot of these ideologies. And it's a fight, guys. I want to tell you something. I don't think NC State is as bad as the University of North Carolina, Duke, Wake Forest. But if you are an NC State alumni, and I know this, this, this podcast goes everywhere, but I want you to know if you're in the state of North Carolina, if you're an NC State alumni and you're concerned about the future of the university, make sure you make your voices heard. That we don't believe, we believe that critical race th- theory is, is 
is, is so detrimental to the students and so detrimental to our culture. And if you don't understand what I'm talking about, that's okay, you're on the right podcast. Today, we're gonna give you the facts behind critical race theory and let you know what's happening and what you can do to take a stand against it. So Lindy Ford, thank you so much for being with us today. Would you start by just telling everybody a little more about you? And then I know you're gonna share, if you can watch this, I know many of you listen on um, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, but if you can actually go watch this on Rumble, we're gonna show you the slides she's referring to because she's going to bring, as always, the receipts with her to this conversation. So Lindy, start by telling people kind of how you got involved in what you're doing and then you kick it off with your slideshow. We, we're gonna sit here and learn from you today. So first of all, ladies, I just wanna thank you all. Thank you all for just taking this, this leap of faith and having this podcast. I, I, I admire you, all three of you for doing this. I, I'm, uh, you guys are heroes to me, but I have very similar stories to all of you. I was actually, um, actually, I was born and raised a Democrat, believe it or not, but uh, had some epiphany moments in my 20s and uh, just just decided that conservatism is the way to go because it protects children, protects our economy. It does so much for us. But the um, but what I did in 2020 was I had that that aha moment. And I think it really centered around what was going on with the totalitarianism that I saw. And I have to say that this is actually bigger than critical race theory, Holly. This goes all the way back to something called critical theory. And, and critical race theory is just a branch of critical theory. So in order to understand where we're at, and then we get into the, the, um, the gender theory. And so that's another branch of this. And then we get into something really disturbing. So please stay tuned to the end because I think every parent needs to know about this. But like I was telling the ladies before, I, I did get a lot of this information and I got it in middle school. And what just breaks my heart right now is that kids are not getting this information. They're not being able to be critical thinkers because they, they don't know where we've come from, they don't know the roots of all the things that are happening today. And I'm telling you, beautiful people, this did not just happen yesterday. This agenda has been going on for over a hundred years. It's just that it went on turbo in the last couple of years and we've all kind of seen it. And I guess a lot of us have awakened from our slumber. I think a lot of my friends were a lot further along and being able to recognize it than me, but we were just kind of like, we were just, we were coasting and thinking everything was all right. And then it just all blew up on us. But I think a lot of people think that it, it just, you know, five years ago, it might've started. It did not. It just became opportunistic in the time that we have in the time now. It just went on literally turbo. I mean, it, it exploded as you guys could see, but I just want to share my screen with you all because I want to show you just the kind of the, I'm just going to walk, do a quick walkthrough and you guys can stop me and ask me any questions you want. But like I said, it took over 170 years to get us into this mess and um, it did not start. And I just want to really go back to something called critical theory. So it's really important to know that critical theory is the underlying theory behind all of this. 
And they are just like critical race theory is just a branch of critical theory. It's focused on the ought rather than the is. In other words, it involves the normative judgment for how society ought to be arranged and the critique society for how it fails to live up to that standard. But here's the kicker, everyone. It's established by the theorist. So it's a theory, but they get to call the shots, right? They get to make the rules. And then we have our ultimate, right? Everybody's heard of the, the ultimate critical theorist. And that is Karl Marx. There were some philosophers before Marx, but Marx was the one that actually put it, I solidified it. He was an economist, he was a journalist. And what Marx, and this is really so key to what's going on today. This is so key because he really believed that we are naturally good people that we um that that uh, if a man's subsistence is distributed on the basis of need rather than greed man's natural communal affections long suppressed by his capitalistic overlords would be renewed okay and so what basically what marx is trying to say here is that he he thought that human nature could be changed and must be changed. Okay, I, I'm so sorry. I, I am. I'm. I'm an unashamed follower of Jesus Christ. I know for a fact that our human nature is not good. It's not. We are made in the image of God, and that's wonderful. And we have the the we we can do good, but we are we are not good, and that is the reason that we need a savior. And I will hang my hat on that because it has changed my life. But but the problem with Marx is that. He truly believed that we have a selfless nature and, and Judeo-Christian values and capitalism just corrupted that, right? Um, and I, I just want, you know, I, I want him to introduce him to some two-year-olds to, um, to really, to really <laughs> hone in on the fact that they are, that our nature is just wonderful. You know, they're, they're, they're just little, they're little um, selfish little heathens sometimes, right? <laughs> here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, he didn't believe that this could be accomplished. Now, here's its kicker, ladies, and this is what's happening today. Negotiation couldn't accomplish this. Only the heavy hand of the state, okay? So that is why they believed in that time that um, we needed to have censorship. We needed to have the secret police and re-education camps, right? Because they were all for our own good. And um, because when there was no more um, ego or self-interest, everybody was benefited. So this was good. So, so we had to be a little heavy handed. And I truly believe that the, the, you know, the censors, the, uh, the people that censor from you know, Meta and from YouTube and all the, the they really believe, right? That, that it's a good thing because misinformation we can't talk about that virus being made in a in a chinese lab because that's bad it's bad for the people and we have to cover up the information about the vaccine because it's good for the people and so you see that that's the that's the philosophy well um i can tell you i was in russia in the 1990s after the collapse of the soviet union this strips people of all their ambition and, and innovation, because if you get the same, if if the basically what they're they're saying is that the the equal outcomes is what we're after. So why would you be ambitious and work hard and have 
innovation. And I can tell you that it stripped these people. They had no ambition whatsoever. You know, really, ladies, the problem with Marxism is Marxism. It really is. But then we have socialism, yay, right? Because Susan Sarandon, Sarandon and Danny DeVito tell us that democratic socialism is your public schools, is good for us. They say it's not communism. Oh no, we are not. But they really are really the same, the two sides of the same coin, right? Both systems mean that the government owns the means of production. So Marx looked at socialism as the first step to communism. Vladimir Lenin said the communist dictator of the Soviet Union believed that socialism was a stage of state dictatorship they, that needed to achieve, they, they needed that to achieve communism. In the, U, in the US, it really is called democratic socialism. And I, we have people jumping on our page all the time and telling us that socialism is a good thing, that Jesus was a socialist and that our public schools, yada, yada, yada. Well, I can tell you that there are parts of our system that is, are socialistic, our, our police force and our libraries and, and our roads and things like that. But we are not a socialist government at this time. We are not. Both of the systems of communism and socialism mean that the government owns the means of production. We are still, as of today, maybe not tomorrow, we're still a free market society. So I love what Prager you. I love Prager you. Parents out there, please, if you can get your hands on Prager, they're, they're they're free. There are PragerU five-minute videos. We show our kid this all the time. We have one kid left at home, and she learns so much from these five-minute videos. But they they have a they have great video. Um, they have great resources to help you understand, to help kids to understand. Because unfortunately, they're not getting this in the public schools, and some and they're not getting it in some private schools. So, be, what would you prefer? What what would you prefer, ladies? Capitalism, where there's unequal amounts of wealth, or socialism, where there's equal amounts of poverty, which you can see right now in so many socialistic um, countries like Venezuela. The poverty, people are eating their, their, their pets. It is that bad. But you do have the elite ruling class that have all of the wealth and all of the money. So then we turn to Antonio Gramsci in the 1920s and 30s. He was an Italian philosopher and he was influenced by communist thinkers like Marx, Engels, and Lenin. And he was the founding member of the Communist Party in um, Italy, okay? So he was the first to take Marxist ideas, economic ideas of oppressor and oppressed and translate them into the so social and cultural class struggles. Um, he had a major influence on the Goida University School of Political and Critical the uh, Philosophy. Isn't that a lovely name? Which became known as the Frankfurt School. Has anyone ever heard of the Frankfurt School? Anybody hear, hear of that? That's what um, Gramsci, uh, he, they, they took his philosophy and kind of ran with it. And the, one of the founders, there's a, there's a bunch of founders for the Frankfurt School, but one of the leading founders was a guy named Max Horkheimer. I think he looks a little bit like a, a, a Bond villain, but he's, um, he, was a, he, he, he is attributed to saying that all the evils of society could be attributed to a capitalistic democratic environment. Um, and, so, and so he laid the, found work, the, the groundwork um, of 
the Frankfurt School and it has far reaching effects across the Atlantic Ocean to here and to today. But in the 1930s, a bunch of these critical theorists met in Moscow and decided that their plan, so at the time their plan was that the proletariat who were the working class were going to stage a worldwide violent revolution and they couldn't do that. It had to be reimagined. And why is that? Because patriotism and the rise of the middle class was, was making it too hard for them. So what was their solution? They're gonna tone it down, right? They're gonna tone it down. And they're gonna do a more gradual cultural revolution called cultural Marxism. Oh, how precious. And the cultural Marxism plan, here it is in a nutshell. Here it is. They're going to destroy traditional religion and Judeo-Christianity, collapse the moral uh, sexual immorality, undermine the nuclear family, and infiltrate and demolish the existing institutions. Does any of those sound familiar? Yeah. Any of those? That is, if any of your listeners want to take away anything from today, I'm asking you to take this away because this is has been the plan all along since Read really- Read those again, like, Wendy. Read those again for everybody. Let's just go, do that on repeat. <laughs> I will, I will. The cultural Marxism plan is to destroy traditional religion and Judeo-Christianity, collapse uh, uh, the collapse of sexual immorality and undermine the nuclear family and infiltrate and demolish the existing institutions. That is the plan. And I'm telling you, I know people are from all over the, uh, all over the world listening to this and, and every country has to deal with this, but we are dealing with this big time where we are in North Carolina. This is coming down from our state DPI and so many other crazy, crazy places that it should never be. And it's so sad. But in the late 1930s, um, so what happened during this time is World War II. These, these people fled to the United States in the 30s and they came to Columbia University, John Dewey and Rockefeller, played a key role in helping them put roots in America, okay? So the 1940s and 50s were pretty quiet for the cultural Marxists because there, there was too much stability. Again, the middle class was too stable. They didn't really, couldn't really take hold. And it was just a French academic philosophy until the 1960s, okay? I don't really remember the 1960s, but it, they, I heard that it was a pretty, it was a pretty volatile time. They, they, um, they, it was because of the Vietnam War, the campus protests and other, other movements at the time. But one of the leading critical theorists at this time was a man by the name of Herbert Marcuse, okay? He was associated with the Frankfurt School. And what Marcuse, uh, one of his philosophy was the only way to enjoy freedom is to crush dissent, okay? Yeah. Oh, wow. He was called, okay, Marcuse was called the father of the new left, okay? But um, again, it wasn't, it didn't, it, it, it still, it was gaining speed in the 60s and 70s, but again, it was mostly on our college campuses. It was, um, well, let me, let me just show you how they made it to gain speed. And then, and 
we, there was another activist at the time. His name was Stokely Carmichael. He was a revolutionary socialist, but Black Panther. And he said it was not good enough that the Civil Rights uh, Act of 1965 took place. The system can't be transformed by treating people as equals. The systems must be dismantled. Okay, now here's the key, ladies. Here's the key. How do we know the systems are bad? Inequality of outcome. That was being said way back, remember? Remember they were saying that, you know, because the working class were not making as much money as the upper classes. And here's the thing, there, there's out of these movements, there's always bad that could have been resolved in a different way, okay? I mean, at the time of the Russian revolution, it was terrible what the, uh, the aristocratic class were doing to the lower classes. It was not a good system. It was not a, what we have here in this country, which is a, you know, a democratic republic. They didn't have that. And it was, it, it was, it was, it was very, um, it was crushing the lower classes. And it was sad that they resorted to something that would give them even less freedom. But you know, I guess when people are so crushed down, they, they will just resort to anything. And Marxism just seemed like the way out for them. And it was actually creating more, um, you know, more slavery for them. So then we have, okay, now here, Holly, is where we get the birth of critical race theory. We don't get it until the 1970s, okay? So it didn't start back then. That was critical theory. That was cultural Marxism. But it was just, this is an offshoot of all of that. So here's, here's the problem that the cultural Marxism, Marxists had. In the middle class, I mean, in the US, the middle class was firmly, they couldn't use class anymore. They, they couldn't use that because we have, we have upward mobility, right? You can start very, in our country is so beautiful because you can start so poor and with hard work and innovation and ingenuity, you can progress up the social ladder, which back in old Russia, you couldn't do. And in many parts of Europe, you really couldn't do. You were born into the class that you died in, right? Mm -hmm. But hey, let's let, what did we have here that Europe didn't have? We had the sin, and I will call it a sin of racism and slavery. This was the perfect opportunity. Okay, so here comes good old Derek Bell. All right, so Derek Bell is a Harvard law professor. He adopted critical legal theory before critical race theory. And um, he said, because racism is so deeply ingrained in America's national character, racial preferences of blacks, but, but, but not other minorities, just blacks in employment and higher education are not only right, but necessary as a means of countering the permanent flaws of white people. Okay, so here's the thing, here's the thing, here's when, okay, so we already heard oppressor and oppressed, right, by Gramsci, but he took it a step further and he, and he labeled oppressors as white and oppressed as black. And he had a protege by the name of Kimberly Crenshaw, and in 1989, she organized the first CRT workshop, okay, so um, he was very influential 
to Barack Obama. In 1991, Barack Obama said he was a man known for speaking truth. And this is the reason why we had a BOE member uh, when, when we had like 20 people stand up and speak out against critical race theory and how racist it was, we had one of our BOE people actually say to the press, I believe, that they don't know what they're talking about. It's a legal theory. Well, this person with many different, many different statements does not know history. She does not know history because she does not know what Derek Bell did with this philosophy of, of um of critical legal theory. So then we have some lovely people. We have, um, to, actually they're still alive, Degato and Stefanczyk, and they set out to solidify the principles of CRT. Okay, so like we couldn't use, we couldn't use critical theory, we couldn't use um, cultural Marxism, but we're just going to morph it into CRT. And basically that racism is ordinary, the system is stacked against minorities, even parts of, this is a kicker, this is a big kicker, even parts of the system that seem to be cutting against racism are part of racism. Now, how that happens, I do not know, I don't understand that, but fighting against racism just perpetuates it. Even the laws that seem to be against racism, like the Civil Rights Act, are just a cover for racism. <laughs> you just can't, you can't win. No, there's like no winning. No. It's like they it's do, there's no argument. Well, that, okay, but ladies, ladies, listen, that is why we need to tear down all the systems. We yeah. have to tear them all down because there's no win. There's, you can't win on this. You can't, we can't rectify the past, even though we weren't around during that time. And I can tell you that my, my ancestors weren't the plantation owners. They were the poor sharecroppers living on the land that could barely mm -hmm. scrape together a living. I can tell you that, but um, we're still, there's no win here. You're right. There was a lose-lose. So we have to destroy all the systems. And capitalism is racist because, this is your question, why is capitalism racist? Because there are unequal outcomes. Right. Unequal outcomes. Capitalism is, is, is you, you have people making all different money. And they, you know, depending on, like I said, their ingenuity and their work ethic and, you know, where, you know, their, even their, um, you know, sometimes even their place in society, but mostly their work ethic. There's unequal outcomes and that's wrong and we can't have that. Okay, so here's, here's a big one. And this is huge. And every parent listening to this, every person listening to this needs to understand when you hear the word equity. When you hear the word equity, it is not equality. Equality is everyone should be treated the same, given the, under the law, and be given equal opportunity. Oh, but equity is different, okay? And, and what kills me is they're teaching kids here in my county that they're, they're actually having kids chant at these equity pep rallies. Equity is equality, and it's not that's a lie. That is a lie from hell, okay? The systems are so, equity means the systems are so corrupt that they need to be completely dismantled and built back so that everyone has equal outcomes. There's a little theme going on. Wouldn't you say, ladies, a little theme going on here? So, um, well, can I just yeah. interject something too, Lindy? 
Um, yes. Some of the some of the backlash that I've heard from the left is the accusation that people who are against critical race theory don't want history taught, um, which was shocking to me because um, I've just actually never heard any educators on the right or who lean right say, let's not teach about slavery or racism right. or the civil rights movement. In fact, I grew up knowing that history very well. Um, Black History Month was very much celebrated in our schools. We knew history. We knew history. So for them to say that, like, they don't want that, that's crazy. We should teach that else we're doomed to repeat it. Right. But what strikes me here, Lindsay, is that clearly many people, including these academics, have either never left America or know no world history. Because never in the history of the world has a society existed that allowed so much opportunity, as you said, regardless of class, that there was upward mobility opportunities. Right. And this idea that everything should be fair. I want to know what happened to the parents like mine and my grandparents and their parents and their parents who taught their children life is not fair that sometimes bad things happen to good people, that sometimes you can, you can do something and not get the outcome that you desire. However, there is a spiritual principle, a sowing and a reaping, that if you sow enough in an area, you will eventually get a harvest. What that harvest looks like may vary. You can get crop failures, you can get bugs and things that just go against you, but that's called living in the real world. But this idea, that everything must be fair if they were to five minutes spend any time considering that if you try to make equal outcomes, you lose all incentive to produce, all incentive to innovate. Look at communist China. Communist China has some of the most genius people in the world in terms of being able to ace tests and, and, and I mean genius people coming out of the continent of Asia. And we know that statistically. Why aren't right. they the most innovative? That's not right. to say there's not innovation there, but for the last 150 years, where has innovation come from? America, because we had the freedom to explore, the freedom to think outside the box. And all of this, this entire thing, if you just think would never work, it's never worked in the history of the world. And the only thing that has worked, like, to, and it's not perfect, but the only thing that has worked is the American system. Right. It's free market. It's free market. And Holly, I just want to go back to what you said before that, that we want all of history to be taught. Yes. And that is a lie. And I would refute that every time you hear it. You need to refute that. We want accurate history, not eight, what is it, the 1819 project. Um, that's not accurate. All right. And and we want it all to be taught. We want the good, the bad, and the ugly. But we don't, we don't want this um, fantasized version that they want to teach us about how bad our founding fathers were because they were slaveholders, or how you know how oppressive our our systems are, and and how how horrible we were. Yes, there were, and are, we're not, we were terrible with the indigenous people. Yes, there were things like that that were going on, but you're not teaching everything. And let me tell you something. This is why I'm on here today, ladies, is this isn't being taught. What I am showing you here is, is 
history. It is absolutely, if only all you have done, even without me interjecting my opinion in this, if I were just to give this to a 20 year old, it would probably be the first time they heard this information. And just to see that the quotes from these people, this is not being taught. And it is a shame for our children. Let, let our children decide. You show them a socialist, you, you teach them socialism, okay, fine, but don't leave it there. That's all they're learning now from some of these institutions is just socialism and how wonderful. How are they going to make informed, critical thinking decisions if they don't hear the other side? No, I got to hear both sides. Well, no, I you think that, like if you're not, and by teaching all of history, it's not teaching that these things, these bad things that happened were okay to happen. Right. I, I mean, what's, what I think is hugely important is that it shows what, what happened when it got to that point, the people who rose above and the people who made the change and the people who were part of the change, doesn't matter what color, race, anything. It shows that if something isn't working, if something isn't right and you know it's wrong, you can change. Like why? Right. We are not born right. into a world where everything is perfect. And, you know, just like when they're talking about the Marxism and stuff, you can see how just like now they can use words and they can like connect with your emotions and they can say, there's a lot of idealistic things. I mean, when everybody says, I just want world peace. Yeah, that'd be great. But that's never going to happen. We know that's not right. going to happen. The only place we're going to have that is in heaven, but we right. do not have peace, but we also need to know how to deal with it. If we just raise all these kids that just think that everybody gets a trophy no matter what, or that everybody gets their little participation thing, like, you know, it doesn't encourage them. And I'm all, you know, people are going to get hurt feelings and we're not trying to hurt people's feelings or whatever. But when you have everybody the same, not everybody's the same, all that does is just put all the power and money into a smaller group of people. Right. So when they're right. looking Absolutely. at this capitalism, like, yes, there may be a divide of the wealthy and the poor and then the middle class or whatever, however it works. But there's a lot more people making money in the capitalist society, the people who are actually trying and working and innovating and using what their, their God-given talents. And right. you're not gonna have that in a world where you're not allowed to do that. The We've seen examples of that throughout history, people who have come from absolutely nothing mm -hmm. of all races, mm -hmm. um, both genders and have right. made it you know, had the opportunity and took the opportunity and made it. And it had nothing to do with their race and it had nothing to do with their gender. It had nothing to do with their class. It had to do with their work ethic mm -hmm. and, you know, taking and the opportunity, which is here in America opportunity yeah, and teaching all of this <laughs> well, and not putting a moral right. argument to it, just teaching the facts. Right. There were things that were right. wrong, yes, you know, I mean, but right. Just, Anyway. But here's the thing, ladies, here's the thing that we, we need to realize is that there are disparities, okay? There's right. disparities between white and black. There are. There's more blacks living in poverty than white people. But if we say, okay, so to me, if we say that racism is part, see, here's what, here's what the CRT philosophy, the critical theory philosophy is, is that racism is systemic, that it's part of the system. It's not, and we believe, I know all of you believe that that's a heart issue. That's in people's, there is, there are racists out there, racists right. on both sides. I have been a victim of racism, but I can tell you that it's not systemic. It used to be, I can tell you it probably used to be, but it is not anymore. And this is going to be very, I know I can do this on this, on this podcast, very politically incorrect to say this, 
I'm going to say it anyway, probably get in trouble for saying it, but disparities are more about the breakdown of the family and fatherless homes. Absolutely. No, that's, that's, that's fast. You might have to cut it out. But anyway, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, it's more about the breakdown of the family. Of, than any, the I work, ladies, I'm, I'm from Baltimore, Maryland, Washington, D.C. I grew up in Washington, D.C. I used to I used to work on the streets of Baltimore trying to help heroin addicted prostitutes get off the street and get into rehab and, and clean them up. We used to try to clean them up a little bit. And, and I can tell you that it is because of the breakdown of the family, white and black, white and black. Right. But, you know, it kind of started in the 1960s when you just, when you rewarded women for not getting married. Right? I mean, I'm sorry. That's just a, that's a fact that nobody wants to hear. Nobody wants to hear that. And I have black friends. I will sit down with them and over a cup of coffee, my liberal black friends, and they will tell me, Lindy, we agree with you. We agree with you, but we can't say it. It's too sensitive. Right. Well, you can't fix what you don't acknowledge. You that's, just can't. Well, that's right. it, Lindy. And this is the thing. And, and, and we're going to actually, you know, have more guests that can speak from experience on this, you know, that it's not just four white women talking about something that I'm sure right. a black person hears and goes, well, you guys have no clue what you're talking about. Cause you know what we don't, we haven't walked in those shoes, but when you do look at the evidence, when you look at the data and it's, you know, love them or hate them. Ben Shapiro uh, has a viral video where he w goes through the data in a debate. I think it was at a, maybe at a university and you know, they laughed at him at first. They laughed at him when they said, when they talked about, you know, equity of outcomes. And he says it has nothing to do with race and everything to do with culture. And yeah. the whole room went silent. Now, hear me out. He goes through the stats of what's happened to Black families since the civil rights movement. Right. And what happened since the civil rights movement, we went from 25% single moms to almost 80% single moms in black homes, a lack of a father. He said, does right. that, he says that has nothing to do with racism. That has everything to do with that. That's a, that's a cultural shift. And a cultural. it's a cultural mm -hmm. shift. And, and there were a lot of things that the government in defense of them, of, of, of the culture, I'll defend the culture on this point. When we brought in programs for the government that enslaved them to the program so that the mother didn't need the father in the home to raise her children. She didn't need a right. father to raise the children. She could live on her own and it collect off the government. The problem is there's no upward mobility when you're enslaved to the system. I've got, I've got fa white family members all living on the system that are enslaved to it. They're afraid to make any more money, but they're broke as a joke. But well, if they right. money, they don't get assistance. And, and this is right. a, it is a vicious cycle that John F. Kennedy spoke against. John F. Kennedy saw the writing on the wall and said, this is going to be bad for the country. And then we killed him. Sorry, we did, I didn't kill him. Uh, somebody did. <laughs> yes, it was not who we think. But in any case, this is the point. This, is this actually happened a little bit before the civil rights. It happened with Lyndon Baines Johnson in 1963 yep. when he, when he yep. um, enacted a law that said, you know, we're going to, we're going to give you money, but if you get married, the money yep. stops. So that's, that's it. What that's it. And yeah. so, so the, the government did this too. In my opinion, the government has a, a significant role in creating the culture where it created this culture. And, um, and there are many, many black people who will say this and acknowledge it publicly. There are many more who will say it privately, 
But I think because you know what? We have lots of black friends that have the the, the husband and wife are in the same home. The kids are living the same. But I mean, to be honest with you, uh, our, our son, one of his best friends is black. And I remember asking Garrett um, one time, I said, Garrett, like, tell me about your experience with racism. <laughs> and Garrett is now 24 years old. And he goes, I mean, growing up in Eastern North Carolina, tell me, like, enlighten me, teach me. I want to know. And he's like, this brother not really experienced racism because racism is not cool. And it shocked me. Here's the difference, though. It's cultural. You see, Garrett was raised by two educated parents living in the same home. He lived in a right. neighborhood with a bunch of my friends. Like kids, he's living a different experience. You see, so it's if we could stop right. talking about race and talk about culture, then right. we can then we can start, like you said, Lindy, we can get to the root of the and problem. Take away the victim mentality. That's it. Yeah. That's like it. that's it. And, and ladies, ladies, all these problems, I, I don't have all the answers. I really don't, but one. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I feel like we've got to stop paying for having kids. I mean, I, I don't even know how else to say it, but we've got to, we can't, we have to quit rewarding the behavior that got us here and white and black Asian. I don't care who, I don't care who you are. We, you shouldn't be rewarded for just having children and not working. And, you know, it, it's a, it's a vicious, like you said, Holly, it is a vicious cycle. Um, we have worked with with families like this, and it's almost um, it be, it becomes like part of their family. You know, they pass it on to the next generation, the next gen and this is this is a you know part it's white, part slavery. black family. So it wasn't just all slavery. You know, it was yeah. one one race. It was both races. But I'm just, it just we've got to stop that and that. But we we can't fix what we don't acknowledge. We're not allowed to say that. We're not allowed to say that in public. We're, you know, we're, we've got to say it on a podcast. We couldn't say this stuff because it's hate speech. Right, it's, it's, they would say that that's racist for us it's to- It's racist to say that. For us to even acknowledge that there's a breakdown in the family structure, right. not saying black, right. black, white, whatever, um, and that government programs have created a modern, in my opinion, a modern day slavery yeah. program. Yeah, for people that you well, can't get out of, and that that is slavery. And is you know, to be able to not be able to say that because for fear of somebody calling you racist for saying it is just that's that just shows you where we are, where we've come, and how feelings are more important than acknowledging truth. I will say oh, that yeah. I got somebody who um, could not get government assistance because she was not black and she was yeah for for being pregnant um they said you have to either be black or oh my god what else did they say it was something else i was like oh my gosh are you serious and then um she's on the government assistance the what is it what do we call it medicaid um yeah medicaid, medicaid. um welfare like you know, the the food stamps and everything which look it's great for people who are get in that position, the single moms or whatever, and they need help. They do need help. I'm not they, saying we always that, should have safety nets. We, we should, just need a change. I don't like the system that we're in. I'm not saying these people, because honestly, if she had not had that, she wouldn't have gotten to where she is now with the job she has and stuff. But I will tell you this, she also can't make more than a certain amount of money and that, or she won't get that money for her child. Right. 
So they, they, it may Um, encourage them if they actually do get out and get a job, which is great. And not everybody does who's on that program. But once they do, if they start making a little bit more, they don't get that assistance. So it's like that. What do you do? What do you do? It's a, it's a vicious can we also can we also just add this because um as the mother of white males I just could not have imagined that I would live in a world where they would be so demonized and oh um, I know and and I want to just point this out because if we're going to eradicate racism if the goal is to eradicate racism then we've got to kind of take Morgan Freeman's advice from years ago when he said, then stop calling me a black man and I'll stop calling you a white man. Can we stop talking about it? Can we stop addressing things in these racial contexts, you know, because can we just all be Americans? And he was right. I agree with him. But my son, when he was applying to NC State, I wish to God I could remember who told me this, who told him this, but it was said to him. And I believe it was from an employee at NC State University. They said, because you are white, male, and from Wake County, in the University of North Carolina system, you're going to have to work harder than everyone else to gain admission. I know. Tell me that. Yeah. Tell me why that's not racist. And, and and it's again, it goes back to trying to create equity of outcomes. And we're not looking at people as individuals. We're looking at them according to race and gender. You know. Oh, but then, but if he had just said. I'm going to identify as a woman. It had been a whole different conversation for him. <laughs> right. So, listen, I wanted to correct myself. One thing that I said my, with my um, with whoever I was talking about before, it was if she wasn't black or pregnant. So when we talk about, okay. that's what made me think of it. I was like, what was it that I was going to say? This was when she was trying to get it before she had a child and she goes to get some government assistance. And they said, unless you're black or pregnant, you're not going to get any help. They, they told her this and she's white. So I'm just telling you, like, that is just crazy when you're saying, like, being encouraged to have babies. Right. But Holly, going back to what, absolutely, Kristen, but Holly, going back to what you were saying, so there's a hierarchy and the white males are on the top of the hierarchy. Okay. So they're the, they're the, they're the kings of oppressors. Okay. So they're, they're at the top. So we have to, we can't, we have to bring them down so that everybody's equal. Like it doesn't matter if they work harder. It doesn't matter what they're, you know, and I, I you know, I'm not, I, I know that there was a lot of sexism, you know, in the, in the past. I know that women didn't get jobs because they were women. I know all of this. I know that, um, you know, we have to realize that there were, was a time and it was before all of us were born, right? It was back in the fifties and sixties. And we, there were times, or even, you know, way back when they didn't even have the right to vote, that, that women and minorities were treated poorly. But today, that's just an excuse. That's an excuse. And let me tell you, I, I, I heard Ben Shapiro say this, and I, and I think that this was perfect. All of this is bigotry of low expectations of minority children. Think about yes. that. that. It's a bigotry. This yes. is bigotry because I was te- when I was teaching school, now this is a while ago, back in Maryland, Half of my class was white and half of them were black. And the the deciding factor, whether my children did well or not, was parental involvement. Yes. Because we didn't, back in those days, like what, 18 years ago when I was teaching school, we didn't have a lot of this 
these issues because all I mean, you know, the critical race theory hadn't blossomed yet like it had today, but we just didn't have so much black. There was just not a lot of racism back in the old days, you know, 20 years ago. It just wasn't a lot. And here's another thing. Here's another thing. And I'm going to move on after this. But this is something in the um, in the liberal in the liberal um, culture right now. They don't like us to say we want a color colorblind society like Martin Luther King Jr. said in his speech. They hate that. They hate that. They hate when we say colorblind. Now, I could not understand this until I asked a friend and they're like, well, because it takes away from the black culture. Like, we don't want to be white. We don't want to be. And I'm, I'm like, but don't we want equality? Again, well, they we don't want equality. They right. don't want equality. They they're want saying that not, not acknowledging race is racist. I'm serious. Well, I mean, look, right. like, I, if you try not to acknowledge race, then that means deep down you are a racist. No, but right. th but yeah. the only people who can't acknowledge race is white people, and and I'm taking that as a quote from a black person. But right. I, but literally, a black person said to me, "The only people who can't acknowledge race are white people. They can call us white all day long, but we like this. It's 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 so back ass words. It really is in the fact that if we want equality, meaning equal opportunity for all we're all we're all trying to start you know in the same in the same level then we have to stop magnifying the differences right mm -hmm. we've, we've got to stop that and okay. none of this works we, none of this works the it way doesn't it work it doesn't work it's like that no, it doesn't work because again it's never worked it's part of that's why if you think if you hear the word equity I want you and your listeners to think Marxism. Now, tell me, maybe I missed something. Where has Marxism worked ever, ever? We try to, we try to make it work. We try, we're trying right now. And that kind of goes, uh, lends me, uh, takes me to the, my next point is that this has been slow. Like this has been a slow progression, kind of like the frogs in the pot, you know, where you keep, you keep, um, the the water going up and up and up and then finally the frog literally boils to death well the water got boiling in 2020 right so the george floyd um and i don't know if you guys have seen the new candace owens um uh documentary yeah, on the that was good good it's eye-opening but anyway that was their perfect opportunity right their perfect opportunity to make this go on turbo so that's what we did and then, I mean, this is the craziest thing. And this is the thing that I think, well, it's not the most dangerous. I'm going to show you the most dangerous in just a minute. But the, um, then we get into the radical gender theory. Are we all just, isn't this lovely? Aren't we at a great place right now? <laughs> it, and, and again, this didn't just start overnight. We have, we have the gender theorists from the 1950s, um, Simone de Beauvoir, who she said a, a female is a woman as she feels she is a woman. She's not born one. She has to feel like she's a woman. Okay. And then we had uh, Betty Friedan with the uh, feminine mystique. She actually likened stay at home moms to concentration camp victims. And basically they, they, they have the same premise, right? Is that any disparities between men and women are attri attributed. Now, have you heard this one to the evil patriarchal system? 
and mm -hmm. um, that's evil. And so now in 2020, we have our pronouns, we have gender fluidity, we have gender reassignment surgeries. Um, I'm sure you guys have seen Matt Walsh's What is a Woman documentary. That is disturbing. That documentary is just, those people, they, I mean, was that disturbing to you to watch those professors talk oh, about it was this? Disturbing, but the way Matt did it was just like <laughs> it, it just—you it, almost can't help but laugh at some of these. You're like, are you I know. serious? I know. The thing, the <laughs> thing about <laughs> the thing about the Matt Walsh's <clears throat> documentary is the people who were supposed to be quote experts in the lives of our children and the future generations. We're talking the academic professors, teachers, doctors. The people right. that we esteem as the experts could not answer the question, including a Supreme Court justice, what is a woman? Mm -hmm. and, and the thing that really bothers me as a woman is that no man will know what it's like to be a woman in the same way as a white woman, I will never know what it is to be a black man yeah. or a black woman. I will never know. That's why they're going to have to speak their experience to me because I will not know. And no man can know that exact experience either. And in a world where I'm not allowed to say anything that appropriates culture, I'm not allowed to speak in a foreign accent and or do or, or distort any features on my face, else I'm accused of bigotry and racial appropriation. Yet it's yeah. perfectly fine for a man to put on a dress and call himself a woman. And I can't call that crazy. Like, and, 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 that's, and, and listen, this is the point of this podcast. We're going to have politically incorrect conversation because if we don't, we are going to silence ourselves and, and the truth will never be out there. And if you don't have the truth, you're not free. It's the truth. You know, that that is, free. Yeah, no, that is because I am so afraid to even say these things, to be honest with you. It's like, this is the truth. I'm telling you the truth, but it's so, we have been so censured. We, 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 we not, we're not supposed to be telling people this. This is so taboo. But they're trying to change. They're trying to change our thinking and change the definitions, even though they can't, they don't even have a definition for this. Okay. And there is a difference between feelings and facts. If you feel like a woman, if you feel like a wolf, if you want to watch that, there is someone who feels like he is, he, she, yeah. they, them. I don't know what his pronouns are. I don't know what a wolf's pronoun are, but it's on um, Jesse Waters. Jesse Waters, But yeah. you can feel like it, but I'm sorry to say, and I don't, I'm sorry to say, but I've, it's just a fact. It, a man is not going to bleed every month. A man right. is not going to be, unless you are bleeding every, <laughs> unless you're having that right wonderful period unless you can right. actually physically have a baby if you actually have those organs you are not a woman you're not you right. can feel like a woman you, you dress do up too, but don't tell what? us that that is that like the science is just changed and that all of a sudden you're a woman because you feel like it but that's the right. difference Kristen because what you're saying is you're, we are all going to tell you, you have the right to do it. We believe as Americans, right. you should have the right to dress as you want. You should have the, you, you should have the freedom now to make the decisions you want. As long as it's not hurting anyone else, you should have the right to do it. That doesn't mean that we're going to always agree with things from a moral perspective, right? But right. I believe in freedom and I can't say I believe in freedom and then withhold the freedoms that I just don't personally agree with. That's right. not America, right? right? And I just say, hey, but here's right. Here's where I draw the line is you can cut your genitals off. That's your choice. But don't, I do not agree with it for children. That's right. No. They can't make that decision. 
They cannot, their brains, a, a, a male child is not, his brain hasn't even fully developed until he's 22 years old. Now we know with all the crazy behavior that is going to be later. Or you know, maybe much later or something <laughs> else, right? So they can't, I, I disagree, I, I mean, I don't, if, I just disagree. I, I, my heart goes out to kids that are confused in that way. There is, there is something um, that is truly scientific called gender dysphoria, it's, yeah. but it's yeah. a small percentage. What's happening now is that we are, because of, you know, TikTok and a lot of the social media, we're making, we're elevating the you know, the transgenderism so much that more and more kids are like, oh, wait, I'm unhappy. Oh, oh, I must not be, I must not be a male. I must be a female because I'm unhappy. See, it's like going up like 400% over the last couple of years, 400%. That's cultural. That's not gender dysphoria. That's cultural. Right. And, and so very without mm -hmm. thinking of the ramifications. And I actually have a lesbian friend that said, you know what, like with all of these, even therapists that are encouraging this. And she said, if my mom would have asked me when I was 10 years old, if I wanted to be a boy, I would have said yes, because I was confused because I was attracted to girls and she's a girl. And so she thought, so maybe I should just be a boy. So you can see how you're like, oh, I'm having these confused feelings or I'm having these feelings. So maybe I'm not who I'm supposed to be. And maybe I should change. And like, she is so thankful that she did not do yeah. that. You, right. Maybe she's just a gay woman. Right. It, right. And, that, and that is what happens. It, and I'm not saying people will go through it, but I also feel like they need to talk about it and talk it through and give it time. And I just don't think kids can even, kids cannot make those decisions. You can't vote, you can't drink, right. you can't, you can't enlist in the army. You can't take you can't Tylenol without right. your right. <laughs> I mean, it's getting crazy, guys, and they want to take parental rights away yep. from us. I'm telling you that we had some on our Facebook page the other day that I put up something about, um, what did I put up? I put up something about um, children, sh children should be, oh, oh, anything that you say and you want a child to keep a secret, it, keep it a secret, that's not a safe adult. If you're asking child to keep a secret, and yet, guess what? The left just came back and said, "Yeah, but what about if they want to change their gender? They the parents are not always for that." And I was like, "Well, there you go. But maybe we, maybe we need to wait until we're an adult. Maybe you don't need to keep that secret from your parent. I don't. I, that's that. That's their reasoning. They think that parents should not be told if the parents are not on board with the gender reassignment surgery. Wow. So." Crazy. It's crazy. But going back to what Holly was saying, you know, we, we can't just, I can't be a male because guess what? A thousand years from now, when they dig up my body, they're going to find I was female. I don't care if I draw, I don't care how many hormones I take. They're going to find that I wasn't because it's in our DNA, ladies, it's in our DNA that we are one sex or we are the other. And it's, I, I feel for people that have that condition. I feel for um, very, I mean, we have depression rates and suicide rates going through the roof. I, I, can't, feel, imagine. But, I can't imagine if I was feeling that. Yeah. I mean, it's I, horrible feeling that. And, and I, I get that, but I do believe it's some of it is because our kids are just bankrupt. They don't, 
they don't have, you know, firm foundation of faith and family. That's my opinion. Yeah. But and, then and Lindy, can we just add this context and then you can move on? But the the I want to also say, because when you have these conversations, people can take sound bites and it can sound terrible. Um, mm-hmm. I, I want to be really clear. Not only do we advocate for the freedom for adults to live their lives as long as it bothers no one else, we'll advocate for them to have the freedom to do so. But I want to also say being kind to people who are doing things that you don't necessarily agree with or, or, you know, or maybe perhaps it it is offensive to your moral values or to your religious beliefs. There is still a standard to be kind and loving. Mm -hmm. And, and that is, and and we would advocate for that every day, twice on Sunday, just that goes without saying. So in the same way that we can have conversation to say, we don't believe that this is scientifically correct. We do not believe that this uh, standard is good for all of society. We don't believe it's going to help children, for example. We don't believe this is the solution that helps children. Um, what we were also saying is that being kind and loving in those conversations and to the people who are struggling, Absolutely. because we all have tremendous compassion for people who feel different. Yeah. Who feel different. Absolutely. That, Absolutely. We should have compassion. And that is, that's, that's paramount import, paramount uh, of, of importance to us. So. We truly have never walked in those shoes. I mean, no. I know I haven't, and I know I have several family members and friends that have told me, I can't imagine having those feelings and feeling like ashamed or feeling shameful right. for having those and trying not to have those feelings. Right. And I, I really can't, I cannot ever imagine going through that and then having parents that you're afraid of that will reject you or disown you or whatever. Like, so that is a huge, horrible situation. But I definitely disagree with other adults keeping secrets or having kids make these big, huge decisions that you can't take back. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Exactly. If that's how you feel, then you wait till you're an adult to do any type of, I believe, any type of hormone treatments, any type of surgeries, gender surgeries, because these are that you can't, you can't reverse a lot of this, even the hormone treatments, you can't reverse. And there's, I I don't know if you guys have heard about um, some of the people that are now coming out who were very, very um, sad that they made that decision as a child. And they're like, I'll never I will never be the same and I will, and I will have to live with this the rest of my life. I, I was going through a hard time and I was going through this or that. And I thought this was going to make me happy. It did, number one, it didn't make me happy, but it, it left, uh, it left long-term, you know, long-term effects on my body. It, it, it maimed me for life basically. So that's what I'm, I have a problem with. Um, again, I have um, acquaintance who is a transgender person, and I can't probably go like Holly was saying, kindness. You know, probably go out of my way too much to be kind to this person because I want them to know that you as a person are accepted. I love you as a person. Yeah. And um, you know, but I just trans and kids is part of critical theory, guys. Because what do we do? Now listen, what do we do with all this? When you do that, what do you break down? You are breaking down people's sexuality. You're breaking down the family structure. This is all a plan. So the the worst part of all of this, I think, is the children's sexual rights movement. Have y'all heard of this one? Oh, how precious this one is. Um, It is actually um, something that is picking up steam right now because of our crazy culture. 
but it's the International Planned Parenthood Federation working with the United Nations. That's like mm. Satan working with yeah. Satan's like the trifecta okay. of evil. That is, right, they're evil working with evil. Way to go. Um, that means, now listen to this, listen to this, ladies. Sexual rights are human rights for all ages. We are talking five-year-olds. We're not talking teenagers. And I mean that. They mean five-year-olds. This is the gateway to pedophilia. Um, and what they want the kids to have are the access to sexual information, to enjoy sexual experience and sexual pleasure, access sexual services, abortion, contraception, sexual disease testing, all of these little goodies. And there is no limitation on age. How are they going to move this agenda forward? Through something called comprehensive sexual education and it is coming to a state near you. Our state is North Carolina, here it comes. And their main target is something, is, is someone that I have in my home, a 12 year old girl. That is their main target, is a 12, is 12 year old girls, which is absolutely abhorrent, abhorrent to me. And then, um, you know, and then going to the goals of cultural. So if you look at all of this, the goals of cultural Marxism is the destruction of the traditional religion and Judeo-Christianity, right? So here we are, we've got the radical gender ideology, children's sexual rights movement, the collapse of sexual immorality, the, is the radical gender ideology, the children's sexual rights movement, undermine the, the nuclear family with critical race theory, radical gender ideology, children's sexual rights movement, and infiltrate and demolish the existing institutions, CRT and radical gender ideology. And they're doing a lovely job at this. Their goals are being realized as I speak, right? It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Lindy, I don't know if you have this in your presentation or if you can just speak to this just briefly, because I know you talked about it when we went to the Mama Bear Summit. Um, Cause I know we have a lot of parents here that have kids in public school and they've, you've probably heard of the acronym SEL, the um, yes. social emotional learning. So a lot of our kids yeah. do this SEL. Um, they maybe do it like once a week. I don't know exactly. Mm -hmm. And you know, while there are benefits. Every day. It's every day. It's every day. Every day. Okay. Yeah. Every day, every day. But you know, you hear SEL and you hear social emotional learning and we just all kind of at face value say, oh, well, that's good. You know, our kids, th that's good for them to learn how to be more, you know, their emotional intelligence and their social intelligence. I mean, these are important parts of becoming an adult and growing and learning. Can you just speak to maybe some of the cons of SEL? Like there are, the, you know, there are pros and cons to everything, but what are some things that maybe parents don't realize like what they're pushing with this SEL agenda. So when they hear that SEL, they kind of know the whole truth. I am so glad you asked me that, Amy. I actually wrote, and I'm trying to bring it up now on my computer. I actually wrote a paper about SEL and it is, and I'm so glad you said this because I didn't even think about talking about SEL, but, but it is probably the most insidious of everything that we've talked about today because it's the most palatable, right? It sounds really good. Sounds let me good. tell you, let me tell you why we're up against SEL because our, our classrooms, their, their kids are out of control. Right now in a survey in our county um, of teachers, 41% of the teachers said that they can barely teach 
because of the problems with um, with with um, with discipline, the discipline, the discipline issues. They just they can't get anything done because that dis the discipline issues are so so bad. And SEL is a I guess it, it's a program in response to that, in response to our children having you know the fact that they don't have the structure of family and faith. I really believe that. So they are, they're, they're dealing with this, um, all of these, you know, they're, they're doing, dealing with all these emotional emotions. They don't know what to do. They don't know what to do with, and it's just creating this horrible thing. So we have something here called um, panorama surveys. The problem with SEL is this, what it is, it's kind of like, it, again, it's a, a little arm of Marxism because it tries to get all the kids it's, it, to think kind of the same. It's almost like we're going to be your emotional support system. We're going to be your parents here. We're gonna be like, like the school's gonna be the big, you know, big mama parent. And we're gonna, we're gonna make you feel better. And we're going to make you feel really good about yourself. And we're gonna, we're gonna lift your self-esteem up and, all kinds of really um, wonderful things, but it really encourages collectivist groupthink. It doesn't focus on, here's another thing, here's another kicker, ladies, it doesn't focus on academic content and knowledge. Right. And, um, it only focuses on values, mindsets, attitudes, and feelings. Now, listen, I, I think feelings are important. I think that some, we need to deal with feelings at times, but it's becoming so difficult to teach these days that it's it's hard to you know it's hard for these teachers to break through all of these these kids are in such turmoil and that's part of our culture we talked about that it's part of our, our culture just breaking down but it is um it, it it really distracts it distracts from learning because they spend about 15 to 20 minutes a day now think about 15 to 20 minutes a day in a fourth grader's life and how much uh, math they could get through in that amount of time where right. our fourth graders right now, I, I, I think the latest statistic was like, like 35% are proficient in math, 35% in the state are proficient in math. And some of that was because of the shutdowns and things that we had to go through. But it's just a very relativist worldview, a sense of right and wrong and good virtues is replaced by self-orienting pop psychology and group norms. Um, the other big problem with it is this psychologically psychological profiling. Ladies, we, ha we, we have pushed for SEL for parents to have to opt in before, and I'm not sure, we don't know for sure, we're kind of waiting on this to see if they're going to implement that in our county, but parents of public school kids, you need to find out what surveys your kids are given because they ask and some of the questions are kind of benign, but some of the questions are not. And some of them are how, you know, for a fifth grader, have you had sex yet? And how many people have you slept with? And are your parents home when you get home? All kinds of invasive questions wow. for these kids. And what I, I and I, and I am, I haven't been able to do a deep dive into this, but here's, here's another kicker with SEL is that these surveys that they take on these kids actually follow them throughout their entire lives. Mm. So 
it's it's really it's not backed by good data or research and i, I i've even heard left-wing people um uh, disown it or disregard it. One one woman um, from Yale, she's a left wing activist. She said it was white supremacy with a hug. But I mean, mostly right wing people are going to um, are, are are really going to reject it. Well, but what's the purpose of the surveys? Like, what I don't understand what it's even doing. Now, you said like, what, what do they say it's doing? But then you're saying that there's no facts to back it up. You know what I mean? Because we Chelsea, we, we, not her last mm -hmm. name, right? Chelsea was on talking about like that's how her like that was kind of like her, her awakening. Yeah, her awakening was the was right. the search. right, right, exactly. And she and her child was taking the panorama panorama surveys, but um, and you know, they'll tell you a bunch of BS. They'll tell you that it's because they want to. They, what is it? They want to um, support the whole child. I mean, mm -hmm. that's kind of, you know, it's the whole child thing. They, they want to be, because if a child is not supported psychologically or not psychologically, yeah, psychologically and emotionally, they can't learn. That is their comeback on that. And it's like, they want to really take the place of the parents, but the, it's that it's taken away from instruction time. Was schools really meant to be psychological counselors? No, I think back in our day, you know, I just, the kids who had emotional problems, they were pulled out. We had something called DEH. It's like behavioral and emotional. I just remember the kids that they would integrate into the classroom, but then they would have, if they, if you needed that specific counseling for a behavioral emotional, if you didn't have the support at home and you needed mm -hmm. that, it was more on an individual or small group basis. It wasn't delivered to the entire class Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it wasn't like a whole class psychology session or whole class counseling session. It was more individually tailored so that teachers could continue with instruction. Right. Ex exactly. Um, and that's fine. I mean, I mean, my sister-in-law has been a school psychologist for years and years and what she does is, is very valid and she does great work, but this is for the whole class, ladies. This is not just for, this is for everybody. We're not taking everybody that's gonna have a It doesn't seem like they're taking the survey answers and actually doing anything with them individual for the individual kid. Like if they're trying to no, get the flag. Policy for the whole, whole school, school based right. off of the survey. Of the surveys, right. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah, I mean, you, you know Equity what? Equity emotion. Equity, Equity emotional equitable we all emotional need the same learning. emotional, we all need the same emotional <laughs> training too um, uh, but here's here's a um connecticut mother of five who's who talks about sel she says with social emotional learning they are teaching what i'm supposed to teach and i'm left to teach what they should be teaching math mm. and i think really it does it pulls them away from academics and it doesn't give them a good solid academic background and really it's not based on any good research they will say they have research but it's all by some left-wing you know a researcher it's not like good research it's not like real research but it's it's really um insidious because it can trap all parents because it sounds good that's the problem a lot of this sounds that's good it, yeah. it, and it really is um it's it's insidious and it's dangerous and it's and I, and there's a great um, article and I can send it to you. It's called Social Emotional Learning: uh, the, 
yeah, no, yes, it's called social emotional learning K through 12 education as new age nanny state and it's by an MD and a JD. And it's a great, it's just a great, it just, it's a, it's an article. It's just an article. And it goes through all of that, what it is and why it's, it's dangerous. It's very dangerous for kids. But, um, but I just wanted to say to everyone out there that not just mama bears, but all of us, all of us who are parents, even if you're not a parent, we can, we are, we can influence our children. The first thing to do is to teach them real history. Mm-hmm. See some real because they may not be learning it at school. Hopefully in some schools they are, but many, most schools are not. They're just not going to, you know, they, they even talk um, in glowing terms about Karl Marx in some of these, you know, some of these classrooms, glowing terms about Karl Marx. And they don't talk about Stalin and the millions of people that were killed under the Stalin regime. You know, it's just, it's skewed. It's like, we're going to only teach part of history that we want you to know but we we just I really feel like parents need to take things back we need to be more involved like we are all more involved now talk to your kids make your home a um, safe haven limit your screen time guide direct your kids and one of the things I want to leave your listeners with is that I heard this from Dennis Prager and I thought this was really good ladies and don't take it the wrong way but good intentions are the road to hell okay Here's what you need to know. This is the people that supported you, not the people who came up with these movements. They're evil. They knew what they were doing. Okay. They know what they're doing. They know that it's evil. They know it's bad. But the people, the followers, and many people around me, and people that get on my Facebook page or my Instagram page, they have good intentions. They don't like to see the disparities between the races. They don't like to see women, you know, not, not being, um, not given the same opportunities. They, you know, they want the trans kids to feel welcome. It's it's funny because we want to make like the 1% of the student population feel really good. And we forget about the other 99. We just do. I mean, if they're straight white kids, we just forget about them, but they are really spread by nice people with good intentions who lack wisdom. This is huge, right? This is so huge. They lack wisdom. And that, you know, wisdom comes from God. And we just need to ask for it. And we're promised wisdom if we ask for wisdom. Yes. So, and I love it. You guys have probably have heard of Christopher Rufro. Above all, we must have courage. And you ladies have courage for doing this. I just pat all of you, if I could, I'd give you a virtual pat here <laughs> on the back doing this podcast and bringing truth to people where we are really being censored anywhere else to give this kind of information and just courage you know face the mob and I'm not even I honestly I'm not even afraid anymore I at first I was but now I'm not because I see courageous people like you and courage does beget courage Mm -hmm. and truth and justice are on our side yes And, and this had you a great, courage, I know, Wendy. Wendy, we do. And this is a great time to remind our audience that um, elections are drawing near. Yes. And this is probably one of the most important, if not the most important election that all of us can be involved in. Um, so mamas, especially look at your school board candidates, look at them, look what they stand for. Facts, not feelings. This is how we can s- slow this train down. If not stop it altogether, that would be amazing. But 
we got to slow, slow this train down and try to reverse course and get things back to how, you know, we want them to be. That's yep. right. And let's just remember that France rejected so much of this. Yeah. France, liberal France rejected this as being a divisive, um, a divisive ideology. And, and, you know, there's, there's a battle there. They are really coming out against in many places in France, what they're calling American wokeism. But a mm. lot of it is, yeah. is critical theory, critical gender theory, critical race theory. And again, all born out of critical theory as Lindy has so brilliantly laid out for you. So you understand yeah. the history. This is not a new thing. This has been evolving. We've been moving toward this for some time. Lindy, if you'll stop sharing your screen, I would love before we hop off here to share one thing with our listeners, because we are going to have um, uh, this person on our podcast. And the reason why I want to play this, it is a Black man speaking out just like Lindy on the same things. Yes. And so oh, can you guys, yes, can you see John? Okay. Yep. You guys remember how to say John's last name because I don't want to butcher it. I don't want to butcher it. Um, he's like, I'm on, I'm on Chukwu, right? I'm on yeah, Omon, yes, I'm on Chukwu. Is, am I saying it right? He's he's reverent. He's R-E-V-W-U Truth on Instagram. You can go follow him. He's coming on our podcast. We're so excited to have him. Oh, when is he coming? Because I, I just shared this video and it yes. went crazy when I shared it. Yeah, yeah. You so guys, everybody's loved it. Crazy. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. He's coming on um, in the next few weeks, um, but he's he's fantastic. And I want everybody to hear from John. Um, it's three minutes, but listen to him. Listen to what he says. Guys, the scores in Wake County, Wake County used to be lauded as this like beacon of hope and light in the country of how to integrate schools. And I've been a Wake County public school kid my whole life. And I opted out of it for my children because of the absolute chaos in, in Wake County Public Schools in the shifting of kids all over the place all the time. No such thing as community schools, it felt like many times. So, um, Colin, I, Colin, can I just tell you what we yeah. call Wake County here in New Hanover County? Wake County. No, we call it Wake County and we live here. We're like, we, <laughs> and let me just also say, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to point this out because if you're in North Carolina, but this is what I want everyone across the country, Australia, Canada, Europe, everywhere you're listening to us. Wake County adopted the woke agenda and it's losing. It's losing. We actually have tons of people moving here. We're one of the highest um, rated cities in the, in the country for having people migrate here over the last few years. Yet, our numbers are down and more and more people are opting for outside the public school system. Why? Because right. it sucks. Because our school right. board is corrupt and disgusting, in my opinion. And sorry if you know someone on the school board, but I'd love to have a conversation with them um, because I, I will never understand the decision. I want to be there just watching. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh. Anyway, <laughs> here, here is Reverend, uh, Reverend W.U. Truth, uh, but John, speaking before the Wake County Public School, School Board last week, just listen to what he says. Luke chapter 17 and 2 says that it's better for a person to have a millstone tied around their neck and to be thrown into the sea than for anyone to harm or damage a child. And so the question today to the school board is only you know whether or not your role, the policies, the curriculum, and the things that you allow in this 
school system in Wake County, only you know whether or not a millstone is tied around your neck. The reality is this, God is going to judge every last one of you for decisions that are made on behalf of children. You know, this past year we spent $1 million on a diversity office. And how did that benefit black children? How did it benefit children in general? Well, 78% of third through eighth grade black students are not proficient in math in Wake County. We're wasting taxpayer dollars putting money towards this diversity office that's not benefiting those who need it the most. 66% of third through eighth grade students are not proficient in reading. Black students, they're not reading on grade level. They're not performing mathematically, and they're not going to be able to get jobs in the fields like STEM. But we're wasting money on a diversity, equity, and inclusion office while we are failing Black students in the name of diversity. You know, in the Jim Crow era, Black students were locked out of the public school system. But today, they are trapped in. And many of these students need options. They need school choice. They need the opportunity to take their taxpayer dollars and take it to school systems that will benefit them and support them and educate them. And as we talk about inclusion and making sure that the trans student feels comfortable and the queer student feels comfortable, what does that have to do with reading, writing, and arithmetic? As we are, in, as we, as we are teaching cultural Marxism and grooming children to be the next pervert, we are damaging our kids in this public school system, and it needs to stop. Ooh, we holler. Amen. Well, I was asking, I, I had this thought, and I was like, has has anything gotten better <laughs> over the past decade? Has racism gotten better, or have we only become more divided? Have we only become more, you know, just things have gotten worse? And but yet they're throwing this, it's like if you were to look at a graph, you'd see the rise of mm -hmm. diversity, equity, inclusion, social, emotional learning, all these things going up. And you would also see the rise of divisiveness and all these things. So you had to add, and you would also see the decline of test scores in and academics. The decline of academics. It all, it, if you just step back and look at that picture, this is not working. It's not working. It's not working. It's not working. And this is also one of the things I even said when I posted um, about school board yesterday, like anytime we go and vote and, and this is what, if there's one thing that I've learned through all of this is voting local yes. means more than anything. Right. Yeah. And I was not, I am embarrassed to say, but I have changed that I was not a big local voter because I didn't know, I didn't know how, how much it affected me until now, but you know, the mama bear is coming out. But uh, what I said was, Take the emotions out, educate yourself on the candidates, take the emotions out and look at the facts, ask yourself what changes have the current board members or anybody in any, any seat, Senate, Congress, wherever you are, wherever you're voting, okay? Ask yourself what changes they've made, 
what has improved since they've been there? Do they truly, and this is for school board, do they truly have the kids' best interests at heart? Do they actually listen to the parents on all sides? Did they, did they support lockdowns and mandates? Did they respond to any of your emails or phone calls? These are important things that you need to look at because their history, history is going to keep repeating itself. Absolutely. Yep. And, and ladies, I'm going to put a little plug in. I think we just, um, my, my team and I, we run a really, really nice, I mean, we're brand new. We've not even been around for a year, but um, we run a really nice Facebook page. It's Tide Turners NC. If you please, if your listeners can follow it, I post. I posted um, the pastor the other day, and it was just shared all over the place. And so, if you can, if you can just follow us on there, and Instagram, our Instagram page is a little newer, um, so it doesn't. But we we post and post and post because um, we want to show just what Kristen is talking about. We want to show people, we want, we want to show them more than even tell them, but show them the, the differences between a sane conservative BOE candidate and someone who has drunk the diversity and equity Kool-Aid. <laughs> and that's what they've done. Right. Okay. I mean, this man is so, I mean, I just, I just wish we could clone him for our county, but there's just, there's just, you know, he has not drunk the Kool-Aid and he, sh and he, and that's what the whole, the whole thing is we throw money into everybody's throwing money into these equity officers and equity departments and diversity, equity and diversity departments. And there's nothing to show for it. Right. Nothing. It's not helping black I, students. It's not helping black students. It's not right. helping black students. I, I can't say this enough. If we want to, to help with the, dis the disparities, we all do. I used to, you know, I used to say, uh, you know, with some of my black friends, ain't nobody cheering for y'all more than a lot of us white people. Like we want, we want it for you too. We, we corporately, I mean, you know, we want it. We want equality, not equity, equality of opportunity, right? Like the, the, to help and, and listen, regardless of race, also socioeconomic status, right? Those of us who have want to help those who don't. That that is right. that is the heart of many Americans. So. But the but but I think my, my real point here is to say, let's do things that help these poor children. Let's make sure they have their school, you know, let's make sure they're fed. Let's make sure they have homework assistance. Let's make sure that they they have what they need to have as much of that full experience of education as the students who have more, regardless of what color they are. None of this I gotta stop you there. I, I agree with you, but there's so much money that is thrown i mean you don't i mean i'm from the inner city but i don't mean the government lindy i don't mean the government i don't mean the government lindy i don't mean the government people right but i do think i mean we've got i'm i'm a what what, what you call a functional um practitioner yeah. and i think i'm successful at what i do because i get to the root of these health problems yep We've got to get to the root and it sounds a little preachy and I don't mean to sound preachy, Holly. I really don't. But if we don't get to the root of the family structure, encouraging people to have strong families, that's where you're going to help kids, dearest. That's where, I mean, I've seen people go into the inner city and try to help the family structure thrive and to teach women um, self-respect that they don't have to have you know, so many partners and so many baby daddies and so many, you know, that's the kind of thing that I think gets to the root of it. We do need to help. And I, and, you know, it, there's not, there's things that we can do here that, but there's probably more things you could do if you lived in a big metropolitan city, but nobody wants 
people to thrive more than I do. But we can't keep, we've got to get to where is the problem? Where's the root? Get it by the root and then you're really going to help you. That's right. That's how you change the, that's how you change the whole culture. It's how you change everything as you get to the root, which is, is, which is exactly as you said. But like today, I can't go put fathers in the homes. I can't do that. Mm -hmm. But what I can do for going, if people are going to want to put money into these school systems, don't put them in your DEI. Don't put them in the DEIs. It's an office that just makes everybody feel good. It just it just looks good and feels good, but it does nothing. It does, to help. It does not right. help the actual student. So my point is to say we can do things to help these actual students that cost way less. That could do, you you could do far more for them. That's not institutionalized and it's not government funded. Yeah. Um, you know, there's so many there's so many other options. We that's a that's a podcast for another day. Yeah. Give directly but, to your teachers. Give directly yeah. to the right for their help the teachers help the kids you know yeah. but yeah. yeah but exactly we have to get back to being real honest about the root and getting to the root if we want to change things systemically it has to get to the root no question no yeah. question yeah um and it's not popular but it is the right thing to do for kids it's absolutely. the right thing to do for kids is to encourage families and a yeah. strong family structure that's right that's right yeah. well lindy thank you so much for educating us on the history of critical theory and how it's impacting and what's at stake and how it's playing out. Amy, I love your point. What's gotten better? What's mm -hmm. gotten better since this has all been nothing, <laughs> nothing. literally nothing. Right. Um, so thank you so much, Lindy, for being on. And guys, go follow them on social media. Um, even if you're not local to North Carolina, if you are, by all means, but I think you can get some great information yes, from, yes. Um, from them. So once again, it's Ty Turner's NC. Is that right? Mm -hmm. I, it's Ty Turner's NC. You can find us on our website is tyturnersnc.com. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at this time. We might go and we're, I'm, I haven't had time to create a Twitter account, but I'm going to create a Twitter account yeah. uh, finally. But, uh, but yeah, you can find us there. And um, we do post a little bit on YouTube. We just started doing that. But a bunch of our videos are now coming out too. Watch our videos about all of this stuff and why not to vote for certain people. Right. Um, and also while we're talking about, y'all be sure to subscribe to our Substack too, because yes. a lot of people who hate social media or don't like social media or whatever, but you, or you just want to get the information, we're going to include, which Lindy, um, if you'll be kind enough to send us your presentation and that paper that you said you wrote, like we, we or if there's anything you want, any information, we can add that in the Substack and we're, we'll put Tide Turners on there too. So we always have our references there. And then that way also, if there's anything else important, We'll put it there too, like throughout the week, and it gets delivered right to your inbox and you can share it with other people. It's free. Oh, wonderful. Okay. <laughs> All right. I, before we go, it's, um, I want to just give it, we're going to start giving shout outs to our we're gonna amazing, pat ourselves on the back amazing listeners <laughs> who um, give us reviews on <laughs> Apple Podcasts. Um, we want to shout y'all out and just thank you so much for your support. So I'm going to read one today and we'll try to do this every episode is at least read one. But this is a, um, a, a lovely review from Dora Lee Seven. So thank you. It says, what an incredibly well-researched and informative podcast this is. It truly is thought-provoking for those willing to use their critical thinking skills and is always backed by extensive research. Thank you, ladies, for your bravery and your commitment to seeking out the truth. So thank you, Dora Lee Seven, for thank that awesome review. Thank you That's so right. much. So if any of you are so inclined to go give us five-star reviews, it only helps us get more visibility. And a little more credibility as well, because you know you got the haters who will go give you the ones to purse. But let me also <laughs> say, we have a swag store. 
And um, we just released our Steve Kirsch quote. If you can't trust Anthony Fauci, who can you trust? Go absolutely check out the swag store, wear it proudly. And people will ask, what's just think? And we also have these like make critical thinking cool again. And right. then a regular shirt. Just yeah. think. We've got it all. Yeah, we, we got it all now. <laughs> so thank you guys so much. We'll see you next week. Bye, y'all. Right. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Bye. See ya.